So I got fired from another job this past weekend. I had gone to work for a florist a few months back and everything was going great until Saturday when my boss called me into the office and let me go. Apparently, I had taken too many leaves. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that just keeps on chugging along each and every week, despite the public outcry to stop. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and I've got a feeling, a feeling deep inside, oh yeah. So just a couple of items real quick before we get into the meat, the heart, the core, the chocolatey center of this episode. First, I want to remind everybody to go give Event or Else a try. It's my new show where I go through most every major Marvel and DC event, one issue at a time, one episode at a time, and I share them with you. There's a video version. You can get that over on YouTube and on Facebook. And there's an audio version, which you can get pretty much wherever you get podcasts. Episode two landed just this past Monday. And in it, I'm covering Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars issue number two from 1984. In fact, the whole first season, all 12 episodes is about the 12 issues of Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars. If that sounds like something you might be interested in, please go and check it out. The links will be in the show notes. Next up, we are hurtling toward two separate events here at Just Another Fanboy. The end of Season 4 and the 200th episode. Unfortunately, they aren't the same thing. Season 4 will come to a close with Episode 190, on May 13th, 2021. After that, I'm going to take a little break until season five lands on Tuesday, June the 15th with episode 191, where I'm going to be talking about the first episode of Loki on Disney+. Plus. Episode 200 lands on July 15th, 2021. And I have no idea at this point what I'm going to do what I'm going to talk about, what kind of episode it's going to be. I have no clue. In other words, I'm open for ideas. If you want to email me at feedback at justanotherfanboy.com with your suggestions, I will read them and I will think them over deeply. Just make sure when you do, when you send that email, put episode 200 in the subject line. That's it. That's all the business I had to tend to, folks. So how about we just get to the reason we're all here today And that's Beta Ray Bill, issue number one. This is part one of five, and the storyline is entitled Agent Star. This issue was published by Marvel Comics on March 31st in 2021. The writer and the artist of this book is Daniel Warren Johnson. Mike Spicer is on colors, and VC's Joe Sabino with Daniel Warren Johnson did the letters. Now, this book has a bit of a tie-in to what's currently going on in Thor and the King in Black event. So I'm going to read you real quick from the inside cover that just catches us all up on what's been going on with Beta Ray Bill. To help protect his people, the Corbinites, from Surtur, the Fire God, Beta Ray Bill was transformed into a powerful horse-like cyborg. When he first encountered Thor, Bill surprised everyone by being able to lift Mjolnir, earning him the respect of Allfather Odin, who made Bill his own hammer, Stormbreaker. 
Odin's enchantment let Bill revert to his humanoid form whenever he struck the hammer on the ground. Thor has since become the all-father of Asgard, and recently, during a disagreement with Bill, Thor shattered Stormbreaker. The two friends made amends, and Thor asked Bill to become Asgard's master of war. Living on Asgard again, Bill has begun to rekindle his old romance with Lady Sif. Currently, Thor is on Earth fighting the King in Black and his symbiote-possessed army, but the King in Black has not forgotten about Asgard. So that's the opening page. So the issue opens in the past. A couple of Corbinites discover the doom that has befallen them. They then visit a family where they tell them that their son has been chosen. This is, of course, young Bill, the son, and his mother is very proud. We jump to the present. Bill is on his ship, which is an AI and his most loyal companion, Scuttlebutt, and he's staring at a blank space on the wall where his hammer, Stormbreaker, used to hang. The movie Hook is playing behind him on a TV. Sif enters to tell him that the beast has arrived, and so Bill takes a large axe and they make ready. The beast, it turns out, is Fin Fang Foom. And though I don't really know anything at all about this King and Black event, other than what they said there in that bit at the beginning of the book, I'm assuming that the dragon is being possessed by a symbiote because he's got this little symbol on his forehead and he looks a little darker than normal. Bill, along with the soldiers of Asgard and Scuttlebutt, fight the dragon. And thanks to Daniel Warren Johnson's amazing freaking art, it's a super epic fight. Fin Fang Foom, however, is winning. And everyone on Asgard would have died had Thor not shown up and saved them all. Then there's this huge party. Thor gets all these accolades. All the ladies are hanging all over him. And Bill gets absolutely nothing. But then Sif takes Bill back to her room for a little something-something and winds up putting a halt on the intimacy when she learns that Bill can no longer change back to his humanoid form. It was his hammer that allowed him to do that. And without it, he's stuck in that horse face look that he has. And so feeling a bit depressed about who he is now, Bill ends up leaving Asgard to go out into the universe to find himself and to find Odin, who he's going to force to forge him a new hammer so that he can transform back into his regular humanoid self or as he puts it, make himself beautiful again. The issue ends with Bill and Scuttlebutt. They're soaring through the stars. Bill is looking very depressed as Hook plays on the TV behind him. Now, that's about all I'm willing to really give you about this issue. I'm not going to give you much more than that. This was a great, great, great freaking first issue. I'm a little, slightly, just a tad bit disappointed that there is a... It's not an official tie-in to the event that's going on right now. Otherwise, they would have put it right there on the front cover. Um, but it's but you do kind of need to know, I guess. I mean, I didn't. I don't know anything that's going on in the Marvel Universe right now. I have been reading the new Thor book by Donnie Cates. But I'm three months behind because I'm reading that on Marvel Unlimited. So I knew that Bill had his hammer destroyed by Thor. Um, I didn't need to read that to know that because again, they tell you right at the beginning of the book, but, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I can't help but think of the Wonder Woman dead earth story that Daniel Warren Johnson did over at DC, because that was a out of continuity, 
It was a black label book. It was, you know, you might even consider it an Elseworlds type of book. So you didn't really need to know much about anything that's going on in the the DC universe to really enjoy that book. And really, you don't need to know much that's going on, I guess, in the Marvel universe at this point either. Um because they do describe everything for you. Now, there is a moment where you see what appears to be um, Galactus's helmet as part of the architecture of Asgard, which had I not been reading Thor, that would have confused the crap out of me. But that's something that unless you've been reading Thor, it, you, you may scratch your head at that. But it doesn't mean anything to the story. It's just a, a bit of set dressing that may make you scratch your head if you see it and you hadn't read those issues. But again, it's Daniel Warren Johnson. And if you know me, you know that I love his stuff. This is a beautiful looking book. The action scene where they're fighting Fin Fang Foom is just, it's amazing. It's uh, the way he, the way he lays out panels and choreographs action scenes and just the, just the way his art conveys action is just amazing. And then you switch from there to the scene in the bedroom where Sif realizes that, you know, cause she, she brings Bill into her bedroom and they're, you know, they start to get intimate and she's like, all right, change, get, get to your, your, your human self. I mean, it's, you, you don't have any lips. It's hard to kiss somebody without any lips. She doesn't say that, but that's probably what's going through her mind. And he, he, you know, he tells her that he can't. And that just that it's just a small, tender moment. You can really feel the pain coming from Bill at one point, she's like, she, she tells him that she's sorry, and he looks at himself in the mirror, and he's like, no, he's like, I understand. He even says, as he's looking at himself, he says, I am not blind. And that's when he leaves, and that's kind of when he makes his decision that he can't be on Asgard anymore, and that he has to go out there and do something about this. Now, if you're interested in knowing more about Beta Ray Bill or just or kind of delving into his back catalog, he made his first appearance in Thor issue number 337. He was created by Walt Simonson. This goes all the way back to 1983. And this is the story where he lifts Thor's hammer. This is the the like the opening paragraph in the inside cover of this issue of Beta Ray Bill. They they very quickly describe what happens in issue 337 and beyond. But basically, Beta Ray Bill is a, he's a Corbinite. His homeworld is being attacked by demons. His people transform him into this super warrior who looks, who winds up looking nothing like the rest of the people on this world. And in fact, he looks rather horrific and he scares them. But he's a super soldier, basically, and he did this of his own free will to help his people. And the, his his main goal in life back then was destroying the demons and helping his people find a new home. Well, he comes across Thor and because they're hurtling toward Earth and Nick Fury and his people see this ship coming and he sends Thor out to investigate. And Beta Ray Bill assumes that Thor is one of these demons and they fight and Bill is able to lift Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, which nobody's supposed to be able to do unless you are worthy. And so it's quickly determined, obviously, that Beta Ray Bill is worthy and they should not be enemies. And eventually Odin gets the two of them together to see which one should end up with Mjolnir because they are obviously both worthy and they fight and there's a whole thing, there's a whole competition. But in the end, it was all just a test that Odin had put together and he creates Stormbreaker 
for Beta Ray Bill. And along with that, with that hammer comes the enchantment that he placed on Mjolnir, which allows Thor to transform back and forth between Thor and Donald Blake. Well, while Beta Ray Bill, while he has no regrets in doing what he did to completely transform himself be, to become what his people consider a horrific, ugly monster, he does, There, there is a part of him that wishes that he could look like his old self. And with the forging of Stormbreaker comes that enchantment. He's able to, to tap the hammer on the ground and he can become his humanoid Corbinite self. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm sure... I ran across the occasional book when I was reading comics throughout the 80s and the 90s that had Beta Ray Bill in it. No other story truly springs to mind when it comes to Beta Ray Bill. Just recently, I started reading the new Thor series that started with issue number one in 2020. It's written by Donnie Cates, and the artist is a, a Nick Klein. I think that's his name. He's he's a great artist. I, this is the first I've ever seen anything from this guy that I can recall, and I have really fallen in love with his art. But Beta Ray Bill shows up in that book, and like issue number two, that's the, the, the other thing that they reference in this opening of the Beta Ray Bill story, and that's when Thor destroys Stormbreaker. There's a whole story behind it. I'm not going to get into it, but between 1983 and 2020, no other Beta Ray Bill stories just really spring to mind. So I would recommend my own personal preference, which is to go back to the beginning, 1983, Thor 337. Now, if you've ever read Planet Hulk, Beta Ray Bill does not show up in that story. But in that story, the Hulk, when he is fighting in the arena, he ends up going up against somebody else that these folks that had captured the Hulk, they captured somebody else, and that ends up being the Silver Surfer. Well, when they made Planet Hulk into a animated movie, they couldn't use the Silver Surfer. So for the movie, the animated movie, they used Beta Ray Bill, which of course I thought was pretty awesome. But if you have watched the animated movie, but you've never read Planet Hulk, don't read Planet Hulk hoping you're going to run into Beta Ray Bill because you're not. Now, Thor Ragnarok, the Marvel movie, the, the third Thor movie, you do get to see a statue or the, the bust, or it's more like just his head, of Beta Ray Bill, the, the big building that the games are held in and the Hulk lives in. There's like these statue heads that adorn the side of the building. One of them is Beta Ray Bill. It's the big horse face looking dude. But I was really excited when I read that not only was Daniel Warren Johnson, A, doing something new, but B, he was coming to Marvel and C, he was doing Beta Ray Bill. I'm again, I don't I'm not a student of Beta Ray Bill's history. I'm not a Beta Ray Bill super fan, but I am always excited when that character shows up in something. Granted, I don't remember most of what he's shown up with in over the years because I stopped reading comics for a long, 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 long time where I'm sure he was utilized quite a bit. I understand he has been in the Guardians of the Galaxy and, and a bunch of other things, but he's one of those characters that I have uh, a an infatuation for. I'm always very, very, like I said, very excited if he shows up in a book. And just knowing that there's this Beta Ray Bill book out there, that I think that's awesome all by itself. But you put Daniel Warren Johnson on it, and it's just almost, it's like a match made in heaven. The dude just knows how to create books. And he's really good at these just in-your-face, beautiful, incredibly choreographed, well-laid-out action scenes that you almost feel like you're watching happen 
on the silver screen. You're not reading it. You're you're watching it unfold before you in motion. Just that's just the way he draws. That's just the way his art style is. It's just it's just something to behold. And um, then when he's really good about mixing those giant scenes in with these small tender moments like him with Lady Sif and the pain, you can just feel you feel his pain. You understand his pain and you really feel bad for the character. And I'm just super happy to have this in my life right now. You know, it's I, I almost I get a little sad when I have to go through a period of time without anything by Daniel Warren Johnson. And he's yet to disappoint. The very first book I ever read by him was his Murder Falcon eight issue series, which is still probably one of my top 10 books of all time. I read Extremity next, which was just as good. And then he did Wonder Woman Dead Earth for DC. And now he's over here at Marvel. What I'd really like to see him do is a freaking Conan book and a Star Wars book. He's done, he does a lot of Star Wars commissions and I read somewhere that he even did his own like Star Wars fan fiction web comic or something that I've seen bits and pieces of. And it's just, it is just amazing looking stuff. It's, uh, he's just an incredible person. His art is amazing looking. It's one of a kind, beautiful, just, I don't know any other great adjectives to describe his, his art, but he, you combine it with this ability to write so well and to get you invested in these characters and these moments and the story itself. And I think we got another hit on our hands with Beta Ray Bill. Five issues, that makes me sad. I wish it was more, but that just means as soon as he's done, he can move on to other other things, other characters, be they his own or other work for Marvel or DC. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do next. Now, I do plan on doing episodes for each one of these issues while I can, if any of them, I, I, I'm assuming one or two might, or at least one might land while I'm on hiatus between seasons four and five. But I, I'm going to talk about these as they come out, or at least the first available episode after they come out. Now, real quick, I, I can't sign off without talking about the fact that he has included the movie Hook in this book. Now, other than the fact that Hook and Book rhyme, I don't I don't know if there is any meaning at all to these scenes, to these the, to, to having Hook playing on the TV behind him in certain scenes. And it's not just Hook. It's actual, it's, it's, Scenes with Rufio, one of the Lost Boys. So it's it's specific moments in Hook that Bill has going on behind him on the TV. You can't see the you see the TV screen, but the art is so small that you wouldn't recognize it just by the artwork. It's more the dialogue, um, and I don't know what the significance is. And for all I know, he's been out there online the past month, just letting everybody know, you know, in all the in interviews talking about Beta Ray Bill and what the significance of Rufio and Lost Boys has to Beta Ray Bill. I don't know. I haven't run across anything like that. I'm usually not somebody that just goes to seek stuff like that out. It's just I'm, I'm I tend to just run across that stuff when I do. And I'm usually the last one to run across stuff like that. So if you know, if you've seen something, if you, if you know what the significance is to these scenes with Rufio being in the background with Bill on board Scuttlebutt. Please let me know. Send me an email to feedback at justanotherfanboy.com because I'd be really interested to know. Until then, that's it. That's my episode, folks. 
My name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Go out there and check out Event or Else. I'd really appreciate it. I'm working real hard to try to get that show off the ground. Each one of those videos takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of my time. And um, I just, I know the audience is out there for it. It's just trying to figure out how to get it in front of those people. That's it. Be nice to each other, folks. Stay safe. Good job.